You're listening to The Loyalty Minute, the show that helps you build better customer loyalty and more valuable user engagement with your host, Rob Gallo. Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of The Loyalty Minute. I'm your host, Rob Gallo, and today I'm very eager and excited to chat with Ryan Condi. Ryan started eight businesses. He bought four, sold two. He owns a lead generation software company and FBA business and is the host of Let's Buy a Business podcast. In 2014, he started a candy factory from scratch, which can now be found at Sam's Club, Walgreens, and thousands of other stores. Ryan also spent eight years in software sales at several tech unicorns, but his passion lies with online businesses and helping sellers achieve life-changing events through their business exits. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for uh, having me on. This is fun. So... I gave a little bit of background there, but for those who want to know more, let's hear you know a minute or two about your background and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, so I've done a little bit of everything, it seems like, and um, my, my 35 years on this planet, um, none of it really connects. So um, I've done everything from software sales to buying small businesses, starting small businesses. I started a candy factory seven, seven years ago um, you know, and realized very quickly after about a year and a half motivating 35 employees and doing quality assurance in a factory was not my skill set. So, um, and I, I've started a lot of companies too, that were not very good, right. Which is kind of the, the nature of being an entrepreneur. So I've had a little bit of success and had a lot of fun during throughout the process. And I have a super supportive wife, a few young kids and, uh, wouldn't be able to do it without all them. So good stuff. So, you know, the show that we tell her around loyalty, customer loyalty, brand loyalty, why people buy, why, People are uh, avid users of certain brands and other ones they hate. So the first question that I ask most of my guests is, what does loyalty mean to you, Brian, in terms of a consumer? How do you think about it when it comes to customer loyalty? And if you could answer in the form of a question, I mean, not a question, (laughs) not Jeopardy, but in the form of like a a story, something that would resonate with our listeners. I would say like when it comes to me and I think of me as a consumer and I look around and I'm like, okay, what am I very loyal to? Um, and there, uh, there, there's a couple brands that, you know, everybody probably says Apple, you know, there's a couple other brands that I'm very passionate about. One of them is called Nomadic and they make backpacks. It's actually a, one of my friend's companies. They do, they're pretty big, but they do these incredible backpacks that are just designed for travel. Um, and I, I got one of these about a year ago and I don't know the owner for a long time. And um, I don't know why it took me so long to get one, but um, it's the perfect travel backpack. When I think about that experience, I have used, I don't know, dozens of backpacks for traveling, backpacking, uh, just work bags, everything under the sun, and nothing has been this good. And so part of it is I think when when you think about loyalties, if you have a a product or a service and there's just this wow factor, um, it can really, it, 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 it just defies what you expect, right? And so that loyalty, a lot of it is setting expectations. And so if I go buy something crappy from, you know, uh, you know, some, some cheap backpack. Like I understand what I'm knowing, what I'm going to get into. Right. And this is an, they're expensive backpacks. And then your expectations are pretty high, but when they're exceeded, it's, it really means a lot. There was, um, a long time ago, I was, um, traveling in Hawaii and, uh, we were on the way to the airport to actually fly home and our car got broken into. So you don't want to leave any valuables, uh, in a car parked at the beach. And I had a bunch of stuff stolen and I had my uh, this is the second brand I was going to talk about is Lululemon. 
I had my everyday pants or ABC pants. I can't remember what it's called. ABC pants uh, from Lululemon in my backpack so that I could change into it for the flight. We were an hour away from flying out. And I remember I got my computer stolen. I got my journal stolen. I got my passports, all sorts of random stuff that were in my backpack that got stolen. This is before my nomadic backpack. And I was most sad about my Lululemon pants, right? So, and I think about uh, loyalty, it's, it, it's exceeding expectations. I'm assuming it means you believing in the brand in and of itself because of what it means to you emotionally, right? Yeah. You, you have an emotional connection to the products and the brands and the services that you touch. And, you know, obviously you don't want to lose your computer, but that's, you know, losing a pair of pants and getting more upset about that is, is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife thought I was silly, but I was more upset on my hundred dollar pants than I was, you know, thousand dollar plus computer. So. <laughs> All right. So you come in contact with a lot of other uh, uh, business owners, right? And I know they're mainly small businesses, but they have to think about loyalty too, obviously. It's um, six times more cost effective to keep an existing customer than to go out and get a new one, right? So when you're thinking about, I know you're doing a lot of stuff on the sales side, but for the businesses that you look for to make acquisitions of, how do you think about what that brand is, is doing for their customers and how they can continue to or improve on their loyalty. Do you look at that when you look at acquiring a business? Yeah, hundred percent. And there's a couple of things that I would do. And this is more on the acquisition side of things. If I was looking to acquire a company or sell a company or whatever, right. Um, a couple of tips and the, the main one is just look at their support emails coming in, right? How do they handle those? Are, are they, are they getting the same questions over and over again and they have for years, but haven't fixed it. Right. So those are the main things that you look at is, where, where are the customer support emails coming in? Um, if they have a lot of employees and you know, they're bigger, you can look at Glassdoor. If they're smaller, you look at their Google reviews and you know, employees will post, post reviews on there. Um, and so, you know, I know you can't trust all the reviews online, but what you're trying to look for are these anecdotal, anecdotal points within this journey of a particular business, right? Um, you, you, know, you order a product without telling anybody it's just so that it arrives and you don't tell the owner, you don't want anything special. You just want to know, hey, what does this look like for the average consumer? Um, those are all kind of tactics that I would do when I think about you know, acquiring a company. Now, based on the business model, right? You know, if it's a SaaS company, you're looking at churn. And churn is um, how, basically how long someone's going to be with you, right? Or how fast someone is canceling your service. So if your churn is at 2% month over month, you know, that's actually two times 12, it's 24% a year. So 20, you know, one fourth of your customers every year are actually leaving. And so it could be a nature of customer service. It could be, you know, they, they've already used your product and they don't need it anymore, but a lot of it's going to be in context of the actual business model. You know, if it's part of a, you know, consumable brand, such as like a hair product or, you know, uh, food, or, you know, I just had some snacks here that I ate. Um, that's you think about the subscriber or you know if people are on, on um, kind of automatic reorder the recurring revenue portion mm -hmm. and like it, it like you said it costs a lot of money to acquire that, that customer first but you know the multiples on companies that have recurring revenue or recurring uh, recurring software revenue or recurring inventory revenue where people are reordering and rebuying and using up that product it's huge it, you know the multiples are are so much higher because you don't have to go reacquire those customers again. So there's a couple of different data points that you can look at, whether it's in your own business or whether it's looking for a business that you're looking to acquire. Yeah, well, um, I don't want to switch gears too much, but as we discussed before we even hit the record button, I'm in the process of acquiring another business right now. And the churn is, is high, but the 
business that it services, the churn is even higher, which is, a, is an issue. But the company has been growing for the last 10 years steadily every single year. So it's kind of a, an anomaly, and maybe we'll take this offline later. I know you have a hard stop at, uh, at the top of the hour. But anyway, getting back on point, um, you mentioned the, some of the things that you might look into when you're making an acquisition of a business are going to be the, you know, how the interaction with the customers comes about. So a lot of our listeners are small business entrepreneurs, small business owners, you know, probably some medium-sized companies too, and they're thinking about what can I do to increase my loyalty. So like, what is, what is some of the things that Ryan Condi would do post acquisition to increase customer retention and loyalty? Uh, that's a great question. And first, um, I, I hopefully know where the issues are beforehand, right? Because if you, if, you, if you don't know the issues beforehand, you, you can get into some deep water really quickly and you don't know what issues you might have in the business. And of course, I've made those mistakes uh, and still continue to make those mistakes because you can't know everything. Um, the other side of it is, too, if you know these problems in advance, um, I started trying to solve them beforehand. So I looked at a company a couple of years ago, and it had um, it had a couple issues within the company. And it wasn't necessarily towards loyalty, but just in terms of who, who, who their suppliers were. And so while looking at that company before I actually bought it, I actually tried to see if I could fix some of the problems. And I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't call people up and tell them I was from so-and-so company when I wasn't or anything. But I actually made a bunch of calls to different suppliers to see if they could fix certain areas within this business I was looking at acquiring. And I couldn't actually fix the problem, I didn't think. Um, and if I couldn't fix the problem before, taking over the company, then I probably couldn't fix it after, right? So um, it's one of those things, you, first, before you take over, you want to make sure you can identify any of those chokeholds, customer loyalty issues that you could run into. And, you know, naturally, you're, there's going to be some that pop up that you haven't thought about. So once you once you do that, I think um, sometimes when people take over a company, they want to change things left and right. A lot of times you're, unless it's a turnaround project, you're not trying to if, if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? So when you get in, you're kind of just waiting for things and, and letting things kind of pass by, making sure things are running well, partly because you don't want to just go in and rip stuff out. And, and you know, this, this is for a company that's going well, right? And, and just start breaking stuff. So part of it is you're understanding what the actual flow is, where the choke points are, where the customer service issues could be, okay? And if we think about loyalty of that customer, um, I would say one example that I've done is um, when we, we took over a... A brand. I had a partner and I, we took over a brand and what, what I realized very quickly is they had some, um, I don't know, maybe 5% defect rate. Well, a 5% defect rate on their products and their zippers is really high. Like that's, that's pretty high yeah. uh, enough to the point where, um, you know, if you have like a one or two, that's pretty normal. Five is, is pretty high, almost to the extent you don't know what the actual true defect rate is. So um, we ended up having a lot of inventory that we thought had bad zippers and, you know, it was too late to go back to the seller and it just, you know, we had to move on. Right. So one of the things we had to do is we, we said, okay, if we're going to run this company for a long time and we believe in this and, you know, we're, we're offering and, and moving forward with this is we ended up doing two things. Right. So we are very clear and upfront with our our customers that we may have had an issue with a small amount of our, our bags. Um, if they had any issues, no questions asked, we replaced it. We replaced it either monetarily 
gave them a full refund, or we just gave them a new bag, no questions asked. Okay, so that kind of solved that problem. And then moving forward, we had to take immediate steps so that we made sure we had a zipper that was working on a certain part of a bag. Um, but I would say that's like the most concrete example. And, and part of those is you don't know those, Rob, before you get in and all of a sudden you roll up your sleeves and you're like, oh, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, sometimes it's hard to backpedal when, you know, you, you have, I mean, so, and again, this might be going, getting off the loyalty tangent, but hopefully our listeners can appreciate it. When, when you think about things like that, that may be off the beaten path and you have rose colored glasses on because you really want this business and you're like, this is a great business. The model works, but there are a couple of flaws and a couple of issues that are going to need, need to be addressed and you can't get them solved in advance. What's your, what's your position there? What do you think? Yeah, that, you know, and it really depends on how attractive and how badly you want that business. So every time you, you know, run a business, start a business, acquire a business, join a business, there's, there's, there's always risk associated with it, right? Um, in the acquisition space, there's risk for the buyer and there's risk for the seller. And a deal can happen when you have the risk profiles meet each other and they work, right? You know, you can have 100% risk on the buyer and 100% risk on the seller based on the business and the structure and all those things, right? So, um, you have to be, and time and time again, I see people when they, when they, you know, I don't want this to be too much about acquisitions, but when you do look for a company to acquire, um, don't fall in love with the deal. You can't fall in love with the business because um, not every business deal should work. Not every deal should work out. And if it, and if it did, you, you, you know, it, the, the world would just kind of be out of whack. So part of it needs to be that these deals don't work. And that's okay. And you go on to the next one, which will might be a better fit for you anyway. So it's okay to walk away. And um, for for you know the, the the businesses that I bought, I've walked away from from two to three times more than that, maybe even five times more than that, right? And so part of it is if you can't solve the problem, not necessarily before you don't have the right skill sets or the right connections, you know, maybe that's not the right business for you. And that's totally okay because someone else will come along who will have those skill sets or those connections to solve those problems. Yeah. I get, I get you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. So in your, in getting back to uh, loyalty, so just from your own consumer standpoint, what do you think the future loyalty looks like? I mean, obviously we started way back in the day with punch cards, you know, you buy 10, get one free or things like that. And now it was swipe cards every time you come in. And now, you know, there's like coalition loyalty programs. What, what does loyalty look like in the future to you as a consumer? What would, what, what sort of things do you think, companies could do to make you more loyal? Um, well, I just, I just flew uh, for a vacation and I had to spend two and a half hours on the, on the phone with an airline. I won't name the airline, but I would say that's the first step is answer your phones <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or make your, make your business so that, you know, basic things that need to happen. Don't need, you don't need to talk to someone, you know, putting an infant in arms on a, on a flight. That should just be something I can click on on the app on my phone. Right. Rather than have to actually talk to someone to put that information in. You know, they, they know I have an infant in arms from the last times that I flew. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not making this up. So uh, I would say that in terms of like where the future of loyalty can go. Um, I, I do see, and I don't know, maybe this is answering your question in a roundabout way uh, or maybe it's not answering entirely at all, but I, I actually see just, the, the economy going in a way where so many more things are going the Netflix model where it's a subscription. And so I think the companies who are going to do well, um, you know, maybe 10 years, 20 years from now, we'll have self-driving cars or, or whatever, right? This is way above my pay grade in terms of talking about that time frame. But um, when you think about that, you obviously don't need your car that's sitting out in front of your house. 
most of the time idle. So, you know, you could just rent a car and I think it'll be turned into more of a Netflix model and who can have a, who can, whoever can have the best experience, the user experience, the easiest experience, the, the, the user, uh, the UX for that experience also buttoned up that will allow them to basically win. And I, and I would imagine over the next 10 to 15, 20 years, most of what we'll doing will be doing is actually, you know, sort of renting or having the Netflix model and you subscribe to different things um, and you don't necessarily own nearly as much. So ownership isn't going to go away entirely, but I think that's, that's where I think loyalty could go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to get on a huge tangent, but what's your, how do you feel about blockchain technology? Are you familiar with it? Um, only enough to sound really smart to my mom. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm highly unqualified for that too. I think it's fascinating. Um, I don't I don't know much more about it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not the source for crypto. <laughs> well, not cryptocurrency itself, but I'm a, I'm an investor in uh, two. Uh, I don't want to call them startups. They're pretty well established um, brands in the blockchain technology space. It's it's fascinating. And when when you talk about futuristic things. Uh, and you talked about ownership, right? So to, it, basically, it's the validation of ownership, ownership of anything through smart contracts. That's the concept of what the blockchain, the underlying technology of what Bitcoin is built on and Ethereum is built on, is the technology that allows the validation through a decentralized locations, meaning it's not some authority saying this person owns this piece of property. It's Everyone's saying this own person owns this piece of property because it's on a uh, on a distributed ledger that everyone has access to, which everyone has to validate or several people validate in order to make sure that it's it's accurate. Again, I know this is a huge tangent. Uh, I know you have uh, you have a hard stop in about five minutes, but uh, I think we wrap, we we did a pretty good job talk, talking about some futuristic uh, futuristic stuff. Let me ask you one more question before we wrap this up. What sort of actionable advice could you give to an existing business owner right now that they could do other than, you know, what you mentioned about the, uh, the, the airline making it more easy to connect with people, right? Which is, is obvious. It sounds so obvious, right? But what sort of things could people do right now that they can improve or attract and, and retain more customers? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I'll give a little bit of a broad answer that could be applied to any industry. And so one of the things I don't see enough of is, is going where your customers already are or finding someone who's already selling to your customers and, and working with them. Mm -hmm. On the online marketing side of things, it's called affiliate. It's called affiliate marketing, right? Um, but take what's working online and take it offline. And, and some companies have done this, and this isn't earth shattering. It just nobody, not very many people are doing that very much. So let me, here's an example. You know, you have a, you have a home services company, right? And they, they, you know, paint houses or they fix roofs or they, you know, mow the lawn, right? It doesn't matter. What happens is they're selling to the end customer. They're selling to homeowners. So figure out who else is selling to homeowners, but doesn't actually compete with you. Um, so what I would do if I owned a painting business is I'd go find all the roofers and send them business and have them send me business. I'd go find all the pest control people and send them business and I'd have them send me business. And so part of it is I think not enough people are actually, um, focused on, on areas where customers already have loyalty with someone like, Oh, this, you know, this, this guy came and painted my house. I had a great experience. Um, I already have trust with him, but if he's like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, Hey, I noticed some bugs over here when I was doing this. I have a great guy who would, you know, do pest control. 
and you know turn around the pest control guys hey i know you got some chipped chip paint over here i've got a great painter who can come in and help you fix that i don't think enough people do that and it could be based on an affiliate right or it could just be based on you scratch my back i scratch yours um and i can't tell you how many service oriented you know companies just don't ask me questions and you know if my pest control guy asked me for a referral i didn't introduce him to my six neighbors right here and then all of a sudden he'd have six houses to do seven houses including mine to do right now in one trip so i think a lot of it is go where your customers are and figure out who's already selling to your customers who's built up trust but doesn't compete with you brilliant yeah i i love that concept i mean and back in the day in the casino business we built an affiliate platform that had 5,000 affiliates, I mean, of which realistically 600 were doing anything. And of that top 50 were doing, you know, 80% of the business. But nonetheless, it gets the brand out there. But it it creates that sort of um, word of mouth um, snowball effect where people, like you said, they trust this guy already in the, in the fact that he's spraying your lawn. Now he's recommending somebody for painting and you already like the guy. Yeah, that works. Well, listen, I know we could talk about this uh, forever and we could go out on a million tangents, but I want to be respectful of your time and our listeners' times. So I want to thank you for joining me today, Ryan. I want to thank our loyal listeners for investing some of their valuable time with us. If you feel you received some value for the show, we would definitely appreciate a five-star review on your favorite podcast streaming service. And as Ryan mentioned, if you know someone as a referral that you might think could... Uh, benefit from listening to the program, please do share. This is how we uh, grow the podcast. So to reference this and other Loyalty Minute episodes, please visit theloyaltyminute.com. Enjoy. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for your next edition of the Loyalty Minute.